We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Jenna, first, good morning. Great to be with you, the queen of talk radio in America. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have a responsibility to fight back. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. Fill that void with a vision that runs so deep that it dilutes the woke agenda. Well, thank you, Jenna. Right from the beginning, I knew you, so it's an honor to be with you. You're doing really well. Proud of you. Former legal counsel to President Trump. Ellis. Well, good morning. It is the first morning that uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy is no longer Speaker of the House. In an historic vote yesterday, Kevin McCarthy was stripped of his gavel, and uh, Matt Gates from Florida, the representative, uh, filed that motion to vacate the chair. And while a lot of us, myself included, thought it was just political posturing, he must have known that he had the votes because he could have lost eight and still uh, stripped Kevin McCarthy of that speakership. So the question is, where do we go from here? And as I was watching mainstream media last night, um, particularly Fox News, it was interesting to see a lot of the hosts even um, who were really coming down hard on Matt Gates, who appeared uh, there and a few others uh, saying that this was just chaotic and this was something that was going to fracture the GOP and uh, what's going on, what's the plan forward. So joining me now is Representative Bob Good from the great state of Virginia, friend of the show, and he was one who did vote to oust Kevin McCarthy. So I want to bring him on and ask that question. Um, Is this just all about chaos and trying uh, to oust someone over personal differences or uh, what is actually going on in Washington, sir? Uh, Thank you for having me. Great to be with you again. This was about striking a blow against the swamp cartel, the uniparty system in Washington that is not working for the American people, that's failing the country that has given us $33 trillion in national debt, and frankly, a Republican leadership system that we warned about back in January during the speaker battle, and then that was unfortunately repeated with the terrible debt ceiling agreement and then the continuing resolution that was passed, both of which were with overwhelmingly Democrat votes, repeating the failures of the past when Republicans have had majorities, and that we were just unwilling to continue the status quo. It's unsustainable. You know, sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, well, you're not getting things done now, as if disrupting Washington for a week or even a couple of weeks is catastrophic when most of what we do in Washington is harmful to the American people, literally. And with the Democrats controlling the Senate and Biden in the White House and until yesterday, a speaker with a total, complete unwillingness to fight, to say no, uh, then what is it that, that we were doing that you were, not you, but whomever is criticizing, was so eager for us to continue to do and not to disrupt the apple cart? Uh, but this was historic. It's never happened before in the history of the country. And uh, we now have an opportunity to come together and select 
uh, a David instead of a Saul, and to prayerfully select uh, whom the Lord would raise up to be the best person to be the speaker. Uh, we will be vetting candidates and meeting with candidates and then have a candidate forum on Tuesday night. We'll actually have a competition and a contest for someone to Amen. earn the support of the majority of the, con- the conference, Republican conference, instead of it being a coronation of the next person in, loan, in line rather, who's kind of played the system and who's the greatest reflection of the swamp system, the greatest swamp creature, if you will, uh, this will be very different uh, come Tuesday evening when we have that candidate form. And that makes a lot of sense. And so, uh, you know, that's that's a different response than what a lot of people, I think, were we're considering because the status quo typically uh, in Congress is that there is sort of an heir apparent to the speakership and someone who's been um, a donor and uh, very well uh, known in the party and someone who has sort of, um, I mean, almost like Hillary Clinton when her uh, her whole campaign was, it's my turn, basically. And that was the attitude, um, I think, of Kevin McCarthy. And so to actually have a contest instead of just the next person in line, I think does make a lot of sense. Um, but that's what is concerning to uh, to some people is saying, well, in the next couple of weeks, and we do only have this continuing resolution for 45 days, is there a concern that this might uh, end up or result in leadership that is just as ineffective in, in terms of getting things done and being able to push through the conservative agenda? Um, and, or are we thinking that there will be someone who will actually want the speakership and earn it that can truly coalesce the party? Well, I will acknowledge that it is temporarily disruptive and it is temporarily uncomfortable, painful to go through such a significant transition. I've likened it to you have a terminal patient uh, that is, uh, is, is going to die and it's not sustainable on the, you know, left to itself. And we've got to do radical surgery to try to save the patient. And there are some who are unwilling to do the surgery because it's uncomfortable, it's disruptive, it's invasive, it's painful. If the patient woke up halfway through the surgery, they'd probably tell you to stop. But, uh, and there's a temporary recovery period, uh, inactivity period, if you will, as you're trying to get through that surgery, but you are confident you'll be better on the other side. So while I will acknowledge that uh, to whatever degree you might believe or someone might believe that Speaker McCarthy was going to work over these next 45 days to lead us to do what he had not done for the previous nine months and lead the conference with the pressure relieved of a government shutdown, which he and most some of the conference greatly feared above all else, that pressure having been relieved till November 17, that we were suddenly somehow going to come together and do that which we had long promised but failed to follow through on. Uh, so to whatever degree that might have happened in these next couple of w- three weeks or what have you, uh, that is temporarily disrupted. Uh, however, I believe very strongly that in the long term uh, that uh, we have an opportunity to actually fight against the White House and the, pres- uh, excuse me, the Democrats in the Senate. And to you know, we're not going to win everything when you control one house, but we expect to win something. And we don't expect to pass major spending bills with overwhelmingly Democrat votes, predominantly Democrat votes, which again is what happened with the debt ceiling and what happened with the failed, response, the failed Responsibility Act for the debt ceiling as well as the continuing resolution this past Saturday. And 
with Speaker McCarthy, I am very confident that we would have gotten no bills passed over these next 45 days because he had not led us previously to do that, and that we would have gotten another continuing resolution, then omnibus in December. And then we would have had the same leadership next year uh, that would have said, okay, we can't fight during election year because we got to win the election, but we'll fight if we win. And we, we just continue to fail the American people and, re- and see the national debt you know, rise by $2 trillion a year without any efforts from us to do anything about it, not to mention to secure the border and, and, and to reverse the policies under which the American people are suffering. And so uh, while I'll acknowledge there is temporary disruption, uh, I think the long-term gain is well worth that. And I'm speaking with Representative Bob Good of the great state of Virginia, who is one that uh, voted to oust McCarthy. And uh, take take us then behind the scenes, because uh, like I said in, in the opening, there were a lot of people that thought that this was just a one man sort of Gates, Matt Gates show and that this motion to vacate was never going to get anywhere. So it, I think it took the nation by surprise that uh, there was this coalition that was willing to oust uh, Kevin McCarthy. And so was this known, and did you all go into the vote knowing that you had the votes to vacate the chair? Well, for weeks now, uh, really months now, we have begged and pleaded, literally begged and pleaded with the Speaker to lead us, to stand strong, to fight, to tell the conference, hey, I need you to hang with me. We're going to stare down the Democrats. We're going to stare down the White House. We're not going to cave. We're going to pass, as he promised to do, all of our bills on time at the lowest spending levels that we can, we can with the most conservative policies that we can, send them to the Senate and, and then say no and say no to the Senate that we're not going to cave and let's go into negotiation and let's fight. And maybe we get you know some portion, maybe it's half, maybe it's 75 percent, how strong, but something, 25 percent even. And he failed to do that. And so we continue to let him know that we expected – we, we intended to hold him accountable to the commitments he made in January to become Speaker, to bring a balanced budget to the floor. He didn't do that. To pass all 12 of our appropriation bills and send the Senate, he didn't do that. To cut spending to pre-COVID levels uh, for non-defense discretionary, he didn't do that, and, and many more. And so this should not have been a surprise. But in recent days, as you saw and heard, the Speaker began to taunt us and say, hey, bring it on, bring it on, just do it. And he even cursing and dropping F-bombs and in our conference meetings about, you know, bring the effing uh, motion to vacate. And I've only seen him get angry twice and, and use fighting words like that twice. Uh, and that was both times when he felt like his speakership was threatened. Because to your point earlier about someone being sort of next in line, he, I think he felt entitled, uh, deserving, and no one else could be speaker. And and um, so I, I, I commend Matt Gates for having the courage to be the one that filed the motion. Uh, I had stated I would support that if that took place. Uh, I would not vote to defend Kevin McCarthy. There was no basis to defend Kevin McCarthy, in my view. Um, and uh, this, the, I believe that we will be more united after uh, we have a new speaker. Again, it's not an easy process. There's emotions are high, and, and there's challenges ahead. But the status quo was destroying the country and was unsustainable. Transformational change was needed, is being demanded by Americans all across the country. And uh, we've got to be willing to take some risks to effectuate that. We can't just watch the country die a slow death. Well, thank you for your courage, uh, Representative Bob Good, because um, there there are a lot of people who 
on the, the other side of who do either support Kevin McCarthy or think that this is just giving the Democrats a talking point of, oh, the GOP is in chaos and thinking, OK, as soon as there's another speaker, the news cycle will be five minutes and nobody I mean, nobody's even talking about uh, the, the fight over the speaker that was earlier this January. I mean, things have continued on. So the question then um, is, what about the government shutdown? Because um, in your view, if this takes a couple of weeks to get a new speaker and the time for the continuing resolution runs out, um, I think I speak for a lot of Americans that we think government should be smaller and can be smaller. So if there is some shutdowns, I mean, certain things that are genuinely essential, not essential in the nature of how COVID uh, tyrants tried to to say essential, um, would be temporarily closed. Um, And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, um, So where does this leave us just in the next, I guess, couple of months until the end of the year? Well, the final, good, great question. And the final straw for me with Speaker McCarthy this past Friday was when he made it very clear in our conference meeting that he would do anything, and I do mean anything, to avoid any type of, I'll say shutdown, but really a temporary pause in government operations for the 15% of government that's considered non-essential, while the other 85% continues to hum along. And, you know, Social Security continues, Medicare, veterans benefits, you know, uh, and, and so forth. Um, and, and that's a scare tactic to by, sensationalized by many of folks in the mainstream media that want to, you know, fear monger and try to put pressure on conservatives to cave to Democrat demands. And what I've said for months now is we shouldn't fear a government shutdown in the sense that we're willing to do more harm to the country to avoid it. If the Democrats say no and we say no, to our starting positions to have a negotiation, then you may have a temporary government shutdown or a partial, it's a partial pause in operations uh, as negotiations take place. And But we can't be the party that just suddenly caves out of fear and does whatever the Democrats want to do. And that's what we did this past Saturday. That's what we've done historically. And that's how you get to $33 trillion in national debt. Yeah, and that that makes a lot of sense to actually uh, stand firm. And even though there isn't a majority in both houses, um, to be able to use the... the power that you do have and even the slim majority that you have in the House to uh, not cave to Democrats. And I think that is something that every conservative would like to see and we'd like to see some wins. So uh, Representative Bob Good, really appreciate your time today and continuing the fight. And just last question really quickly. Um, there have been some back and forth on whether the uh, the committees on impeachment and weaponization of government and all of that will continue uh, while there is a pause on House business while you uh, elect a new speaker. Will those continue? They absolutely can. The only thing that's prohibited to us is we cannot be on the floor taking action and honestly passing bills that aren't going to pass the Senate in all likelihood, certainly not anytime soon. That That's paused uh, until we get the speaker elected. But committees can operate. Committees can function. That'll be up to the committee chairman to uh, to manage that, oversee that. Uh, and, and I don't know what that'll look like committee by committee. Okay, well, sounds good, and we'll uh, look forward to the vote. Thank you so much, and again, thank you for your courage in standing firm. Uh, We all really appreciate that you actually want to get things done for the American people in Washington. So we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning.
According to a recent study of hundreds of post-abortive women, 60% of women reported that they would have preferred to give birth if they had received more support from others or had more financial security. And that's where preborn steps in. Preborn is there for women in their darkest hour, deciding between the life and death of their precious child. You see, the reality is women are being pressured to make this fatal decision and are being told that their babies are just clumps of cells. Preborn welcomes women with God's love and introduces them to the beautiful life growing inside of them, which doubles their baby's chance at life. When you support preborn, you are not only supporting women, you empower them. Your donation of $28 will help a woman make a choice that she won't have to regret for the rest of her life and gives her the ultimate blessing, life. Your love can save a life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back, and we're talking about this historic vote in the House yesterday, uh, yesterday evening in Congress to oust Speaker Kevin McCarthy. This is the first time that a speaker has been ousted. A few, even in recent history, have resigned uh, for various reasons, but this is the first time that um, a conference, and in his own conference, actually joined with all of the Democrats to then uh, oust his speakership and vacate the chair. So uh, Victor Davis Hanson uh, had, I thought, some really interesting insight uh, last night on Fox News on the Laura Ingram program, and he said that it was an incoherent decision to oust McCarthy, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, I think it was completely incoherent. The Republicans, Laura, only control by a very thin margin one half of one-third of government. And that one half of one third has been pretty successful in marshalling what resources they had to slow down this progressive revolution. And then right in the middle of this, when we're looking at impeachment, we're looking at all these serious issues just to get rid of the speaker without any plan or you know, contingency to replace him. And then putting the entire house in chaos just feeds into the left wing narrative that the Republicans can't govern. And why you do that, I, I don't know. And more importantly is that Gates' argument was that McCarthy consulted too much, too frequently, too friendly with Democrats, but he used Democrats to oust McCarthy. So it was so hypocritical and contradictory and counterproductive at a time when the Republicans have no margin of error and they need to unite in every aspect of that word. And here they're committing collective suicide. It doesn't make any sense. So what are the Democrats thinking? Uh, well, joining me now is my good friend Robin Byro, who is a former uh, Obama campaign director. And uh, he and I have gotten to know each other over the years uh, very well because we were always put on debate panels <laughs> together and actually uh, can talk together as a conservative uh, versus a, a Democrat. And so, Robin, uh, thank you so much for joining me this morning. And I think that your perspective will be really fascinating. Um, how are you viewing this from the Democrat side of things? with the ousting of McCarthy? You know, this is tricky. Um, and, and that gentleman was absolutely correct. This does feed into the narrative that my own party has been saying that Republicans can't govern. I don't believe that narrative, but this, this does fuel a false narrative. Um, but look, it, to me, Jenna, it doesn't make any sense because we have an interim speaker, uh, Patrick McHenry, who 
was chosen by Kevin McCarthy. So they knew that this was going to happen. This is just Kevin McCarthy 2.0, but with less power because McHenry is only allowed as, as interim speaker, uh, he's allowed to recess the chamber, adjourn the chamber, and recognize speakers. That's it. So I really can't make sense of this. And what, what, what flummoxes me even more, Jenna, is that there's not a time limit to sunset his speakership. There's going to be no rush to replace him, I don't think, because he can go on indefinitely as interim speaker. So I can't make hide nor hair of it. Well, and that's a really fascinating point because uh, Representative Bob Good was just on in the previous segment, and he said that it may take a few weeks, but uh, there will be a contest for the speaker, and the status quo was just unacceptable to uh, the the Republicans that really wanted to serve their constituents and get things done, and they viewed McCarthy more as uh, as, as an establishment type of figure. But um, if this is a a potential move to that the Democrats could just block vote and and try to block anyone who may come up for speaker. That's basically stopping all of the work that could be getting done um, in the House, and that is crippling the Republicans until they can get um, a, a coalition that is willing to vote in another speaker. And we saw the 15 rounds that it took to get Kevin McCarthy the speakership. So is there anyone in the conference, in your view, that Democrats would be willing to support if Republicans can't coalesce around a a nominee for speaker? And that's the problem, is that there is no spirit of bipartisanship to just get work done. That's what Americans want. They want us to actually work together across the aisle to get things done, which is just not happening. There's this quagmire. Um, I'm sure that there's somebody out there uh, that would be palatable enough for my Democratic friends to agree to. Um, who that is, though, I, I just don't know, honestly. Uh, look, Representative Nels already said that he's going to nominate former President Trump to be Speaker. That's not going to work. Um, but, I, I mean, the last time he was nominated, I think he got only four votes. Um, so, you know, I hope that it's not going to be a cartoon show. We need serious candidates to be nominated who, who can maybe reach across the aisle to get things done. Look, I didn't like Nancy Pelosi. I'm a Democrat. I'm a true blue Democrat, but I didn't like Nancy Pelosi. But she was savvy in, in being able to work across the aisle at times when most needed to get things done. Um, we need We need somebody who can at least get some of the gridlock out of the way. Um, I just I just don't know who that's going to be. Um, but look, I'm not looking forward to my party re-nominating. Um, oh, I can't remember his name now. <laughs> Hakeem, Is it Jeffrey. Hakeem Jeffries. Over yeah. and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, and I'm speaking with Robin Biro, who is a Democrat strategist and former Obama campaign director. And you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about our discussions, Robin, is that um, you know that that we agree on being reasonable and um, and understanding that Washington shouldn't just be about siloed partisanship and you know some of th- this uh, frankly media circus it should be about getting things done for the American people I wish that people would go to Washington forget about their campaigns and actually focus on getting things done that benefit everyone and even if we're coming from some different perspectives on whether it's the budget or you know some of those things recognizing that it does take a coalition uh, to put 
push things through. And um, and like you said, I think Nancy Pelosi, while I certainly didn't like her at all, um, she was at least able to create some sense of um, of not only bipartisanship, but at least um, moving some things in terms of leadership and being able to whip the votes that Kevin McCarthy just seemed really unable to do. And over the last about nine months that he was a speaker, he really didn't seem to earn the support and trust of uh, the the far right in his coalition that his leadership was there. And I think um, that really resonated uh, to me as as the rationale for why uh, he was he was likely ousted. So um, so where do we go from here then in terms of um, if it takes a while for uh, for a speaker to be elected and we just kind of are in this perpetual we can't get anything done in the House and so um, the, the, there's the government shutdown. I mean, is that something that, that Democrats want or are are they, in your view, um, more frustrated um, in terms of the White House and, and Biden's agenda as well? I mean, he's, he even said yesterday that McCarthy had promised to support another aid package to Ukraine. I don't support that at all. I think that was one no. of the huge reasons yeah. McCarthy doesn't get a lot of support from the uh, the true conservatives. But that's not going to happen until there's another speaker um, at all. And strategically speaking, whoever's going to be the next speaker needs to lay low on this on aid for Ukraine. Maybe talk about that after their elected speaker, but don't make promises that you can't keep like Kevin McCarthy did. He made 15 rounds of promises that he could not keep long-term. And he allowed for that crazy clause to be put in there by, by Representative Gates that allowed for a single lawmaker to force a vote to oust the speaker. I mean, his his speakership was doomed from the jump. Um, so, you know, this is a failure of his own making, um, but at least he got to be speaker, albeit the second shortest speakership in United States history. Yeah. <laughs> has anyone has anyone here? calculated how many Scaramucci's he was actually in there? Because I think it was only a couple you know, for, yeah. if we're uh, doing the timeline of Washington. <laughs> And he sold his soul for it. But look, Jenna, from your mouth to God's ears about hopefully the parties working together to help everyday Americans. That's why we put people in Congress. But the fact that they can't get it done, Jenna, is why they're enjoying a, what is it, 19% approval rating right now as a whole, as a chamber. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's it's even less than than journalists, which is uh, really sad, actually, that, that they're, uh, you know, and it's probably less. I've, I've seen some of those memes, you know, it has a, a lower approval rating than, um, you know, terminal illness, which is, which is saying I something, yeah, right? Exactly. I, don't, I don't understand why they can't get out of their own way and just work for the American people. That's what your sworn duty, your oath is. So we yeah, just want and them to he, do their jobs and quit this partisanship. Right. And I'm speaking with Robin Byro, who's a Democrat strategist and former Obama campaign director. And, uh, you know, I thought that McCarthy's address last night as well, um, rather than coming out, you know, strong and saying, you know, I respect the decision, making it brief, um, you know, very uh, honorable it to me. And, and this was my tweet was McCarthy's address was a weird, weeping oral memoir. <laughs> and what did you make of it? It was it was for sure, coming off from a position of weakness. Um, and, you know, that's that's just been his... That's what I will remember from his speakership, was that he was weak and ineffective. He was unable to control 
the 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 loudest members of his chamber, um, and I, you know I honestly feel a little bit bad for him because he really did give everything away just to be speaker, uh, and for what? The, his legacy is going to be that he was a weak and ineffective speaker. I wouldn't want that. Um, and look, he's already said that he's not going to run again. Well, I mean, good, but right now we have somebody that, that he already put in place, Patrick McHenry, as interim speaker. It's, like I said, it's Kevin McCarthy 2.0. We've got to have somebody that's going to be somewhat of a uniter uh, as speaker. Um, I I just I'm not hearing any names that can do that yet, but there's got to be somebody. But I'm telling you what, I'm going to pray about this, Jenna, because somebody has to somebody has to rise to the top here and rise to the occasion uh, to to try and be a uniter and and work across the aisle to actually get work done. Yeah, and I think, um, Robin, that's that's so true. I think that we all do need to be praying for our elected uh, representatives um, across the aisle as well. You know, not just um, partisan politicking, but, you know, pray for everyone who's in elected office that instead of being uh, what is perceived by the American people as kind of a circus or that people want more media yeah. attention rather than serving the American people, that some respect and, and um, honor can come back to Washington and that we would uh, begin to trust our government a little bit more, which we're not seeing at all. And so, um, so, so speaking of, of all of that as well, um, I want to ask you in the last few minutes I have with you, uh, what do you make of the Democrat side of the 2024 presidential election with now um, RFK Jr. running, whether it's independent or possibly libertarian on the ticket? Um, will that affect the Democrat side, and what is your thought on Biden versus Newsom versus perhaps Michelle Obama? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be wild. There's been so much speculation about whether or not Michelle Obama would throw her hat into the ring. But personally, I, I mean, I, I met Michelle. I kind of got to know her a little bit. I think they're enjoying the high life right now of being friends with other celebrities uh, and making money on book deals. I don't see Michelle throwing her name in there, but Gavin wants it like, no, tomorrow. Gavin Newsom wants to be president. Make no mistake about it. There's no other reason that he would want to debate Ron DeSantis other than political gamesmanship and trying to grab a spotlight. Um, as far as uh, RFK Jr., um, just anecdotally speaking, I want to let you and the audience know that some of my friends on the right that our, our TV personalities have been contacted recently um, to see if they would support a bipartisan ticket of Trump and RFK Jr. I don't see that happening, but they are actually forming a pact uh, to raise money to try and push that on us. So that would be interesting, but like I said, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I would agree with you in, in the sense that um, the people who are – not as um, not as Trump friendly and, and particularly on the Democrat side, you know, would not see that ticket as being any way favorable to to their no. agenda. Um, but in terms of so, you know, so I'm not sure if that might pull some moderates. But even then, you know, whoever's name is at the top of the ticket is ultimately really the one that matters. Um, so so Robin um, Byro, do you want to see some to see Gavin Newsom instead of Biden, or um, have you decided who you're supporting yet? Uh, 
uh, just to be honest with you, I've never been a huge Biden fan. Um, when when in in the Democratic primary, um, I, I he might have been my number five choice <laughs> of the people that were running. Um, there were people that I liked much more than him, than him that I thought would have been more effective. Um, I do think his age is going to play into the factor. Uh, I have my own concerns about his age. Uh, I would love to see – I don't think any politician ever should not be challenged. I think that competition brings out the best in us and is uniquely American. Uh, so I do think that we need somebody else on the ticket. I, I, I am so upset with my own party for – stonewalling anybody else who wants to throw their name into the ring, be it RFK, be it Gavin Newsom, uh, because they said they're not going to have a Democratic primary. Well, that's hogwash, and I, I think that's terrible. Uh, and I'm embarrassed for that fact that my own party is doing that. But at the end of the day, I, I just don't know, Jenna. I, I think that the likely scenario is going to be that Trump is probably going to have either Nikki Haley or Vivek Ramaswamy be his vice president nominee. Um, maybe that'll unite some people, but, you know, I'm just a little bit discouraged. So that's why I'm just praying every night about this. So the nation as a whole seems so divided. My own family, my friends seem so polarized. And I think we're all just tired of it. We want to see our neighbors as our neighbors and not look at the political differences anymore. So, so well said. And, you know, even on the Republican side to say that, um, you know, Trump should just be coronated instead of competition. That's how our system works. So I'm right there with you. But Robin Byer, we got to leave it there. I'd love to have you on again to talk more. Thanks so much for being the reasonable Democrat that we can discuss these things and still be friends. So we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. Well, let's turn from the chaos in Washington to something much, much better, which is the Mighty Oaks Foundation. And Jeremy Stallnecker is the CEO of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to helping America's military warriors and their families who are suffering from the unseen wounds of combat, such as PTSD. And uh, Jeremy is, I hear, going to be running 22 marathons before Veterans Day. That is incredible. So, Jeremy, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for uh, having me on. It's great to talk with you. Yeah. So uh, tell me more about the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Um, I know that uh, my good friend Chad Robichaud is a part of this organization, and there are a lot of people who support that. So um, between now and Veterans Day, what is, uh, what's the goal here? Yeah, so Mighty Oaks Foundation, you just mentioned this. We serve veterans, um, active service, active duty service members, and first responders and their families. And, and most of those are dealing with trauma to some degree, whether it's related to combat or their service in the community um, or just life. Uh, we know that life is hard and life is traumatic. And in that military environment and then coming out of it, um, there can be a lot of problems with that, post-traumatic stress and the things we often talk about. Um Mighty Oaks has been dealing with this for a long time. We've had over 5,000 folks come through one of our week-long programs, and we've seen just some amazing things happen. We've seen God do incredible things in lives. And so what we understand is that there is a problem. We talk about the veteran suicide rate in the United States, which we always talk about as 22 a day. 
Um, recent research and certainly anecdotally, we understand it's much higher than that. In fact, a study was just done over the last four years that puts the number closer to 44 service members or veterans a day taking their lives, which is is unbelievable. And I mean, there's a lot we could say about that, but we, we understand there's a problem. So there is a problem and there is also a solution. <laughs> and, and often we talk about the problems, but don't point to the solution. And we have, again, through Mighty Oaks and there are many other great organizations, but through the Mighty Oaks Foundation, we've understood there's a solution and the solution is a life aligned to the life God created us to live. And that allows us to move beyond the traumas of our past. And so what we're doing leading up to Veterans Day, um, I am um, planning on, I haven't done it yet, but planning on running 2022 marathons, so a marathon a day for 22 days, beginning October 1st and ending on Veterans Day, and then asking other folks to join us, not necessarily with a marathon a day, but with uh, whatever the thing is they want to do. It could be a mile a day. It could be, you know, walking, swimming, whatever they want to, uh, whatever they want to do. And, And the reason there is to draw attention to not only the problem, we need to get people to look at it to understand there is an issue, a problem, but to then point to the solution and understand that beyond the problem, there is a solution. And so we're endeavoring to do something big and include a lot of people in that. And, you know, by God's grace, we'll see some good things happen. And speaking with Jeremy Stalnecker, who is the CEO of the Mighty Oaks Foundation. And um, Jeremy, it's it's such a um, a great endeavor that uh, that you are participating in. And um, I I will join you. I'm I'm a runner. I've done one marathon in my life, not 22 at all. But um, the half yeah. is a little more my speed. But um, but yeah. I will I will join you all in that and in um, in raising awareness to this. And and I love what you said that um, really the the truth is that regardless of what happens to us in our lives, the trauma that is inflicted on us or um, or even sin of, of our own choices, uh, there is always hope in the truth of the right. forgiveness and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that right. truth can overcome um, anything that we experience and the worst things in life. And um, so what are some of the stories that you might be able to share um, about the Mighty Oaks Foundation and some of the people who have uh, come to you initially with these types of trauma and hopeless um, that then understand the truth of um, who God is and are living um, better lives and walking in light of the truth. We have uh, every year this year, we'll have about a thousand students come through uh, programs. We we call it our legacy program. It's a week long. Uh, Men or women come to one of the facilities that we have across the country and we spend a week together talking about trauma a little bit, but more than that, talking about what God has for us. There's so much hopelessness. And when someone leaves the military, they're in an environment where they understand the rules. They understand what they're there to do. They're surrounded by people that are of a like mind. When they separate out of that environment, so often a hopelessness sets in that's preceded by a lack of identity or a loss of identity, perhaps some bad decisions to try to cope with what they've experienced or uh, the confusion that they're currently feeling. And so there's a hopelessness that sets in. And those men and women, I could give you specific examples, but this is, this is every week. These are the folks that show up to our program. They've tried every other program. They've tried a lot of other therapies and, you know, been in clinical settings 
And they come to us so often, not because they care about God or faith or uh, even what we're doing, but because they've tried everything else. And through a family member, a recommendation, a friend, they end up coming to our program. We cover the cost of the program. We cover the cost of travel. So all they need to do is invest those five days with us. And this happens again and again and again. And I could spend all day telling thousands of stories, but it's the story of someone who sits in a chair and says, I've tried everything. I have nowhere else to go. I don't know how you can possibly help me, but if you don't help me, there's not help. We've literally had folks stand up on Monday when they're introducing themselves and say something like, if this doesn't work, then when I go home, I'm taking my life. And, and that's, that's the environment we're working in. And so just one day after another, and our, our team leaders, our instructors tell their stories of having been in the same hopeless spot and been without any direction and without that identity and understanding who God was. They tell those stories. And day after day, we build <laughs> those stories and build that hope and help those who are sitting there to understand. You may have lost a lot. But your identity is not in your past. Your identity is not in your trauma. Your identity is not in what was done to you or what you did to others. Your identity should be wrapped up in a creator who has a plan for your life. And as you align to that plan, then you're able to move forward regardless of what's happened. That trauma that once you had you bound, it's still there. Those memories don't go away, but it no longer has control of you. And, I mean, we've had senior military leaders who, who are in a place of absolute hopelessness and brokenness, who served at a very high level, led thousands of service members in combat environments, sitting in a, in a room with other veterans saying, I don't know what to do now, and finding for the first time really a true hope in Christ. It's, it's an amazing thing to see. And, and as a Christian, we understand it's, it's not complicated. <laughs> it's certainly not easy, but it's not complicated. God has a plan for our lives, and yet so many people have been told that that's not the case. And when we connect to that, everything changes. Yeah, and and I love the uh, the stories of hope and the lives that uh, have been changed and these testimonies because um, that's all of us uh, in in a sense. That's I mean, right. not not all of us certainly have gone through the same type of trauma as war veterans um, at all, but we've all lived in sin and had our identity in something. There may be a listener out there right now who um, is wrapped up in some kind of of sin, or there's something that has been perpetuated on them that they just feel hopeless or they feel like how could God possibly love me? Um, what can I do now? How can I move forward? My life is in shambles. But the truth is, uh, and I loved how you expressed that, our identity is not in our past. It's not in what um, choices we've made, good or bad. Our identity uh, is not in anything other than the person of Jesus Christ. And that's that's true when we feel hopeless, but it's also true that our identity, thankfully, um, is not in our, our own successes or our own um, mm. th- th- abilities or the things. You know, so, so people who are listening as well, if your life is going really well, um, you need to stop and consider as well, is your identity in your own progress um, and your own success instead of recognizing that we do everything to the glory of God. And there is, Jeremy, so much freedom in that when we realize that neither our successes or our failures failures are our identity. But ultimately, if we just get up every morning and do everything to the glory of God and we testify to his greatness and his goodness, then that is where that, that's all that we can do. And we can continue to proclaim the truth of the Lord. And um, so I love the Mighty Oaks Foundation uh, for this. And 
how can uh, people get involved and participate in this program if there's somebody listening right now um, or they have a family member who they're very concerned about who is a war veteran? Uh, how can they participate in this program and contact you? Let me, uh, let me give you two email or two uh, websites, if that's okay. The first one is just the Mighty Oaks Programs website. It's mightyoaksprograms.org, mightyoaksprograms.org. And there, there's information about our program. Again, there's no cost to the student. We cover the costs. We do all the logistics and all the planning. You just have to go and apply. Uh, the biggest button on the homepage is the apply button. Um, so that's the place to go, mightyoaksprograms.org. If you're interested personally, if you know someone, please check that out. And then for the challenge that we're doing leading up to Veterans Day, it's just 22for22challenge.com, 22for22challenge.com. So either one of those will get you uh, the information about the challenge and about Mighty Oaks. Great. And, uh, and Jeremy Stallnecker, who is the CEO of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, um, if someone is listening and, you know, they're, they're a war veteran and they're thinking, yeah, that describes me mm-hmm. uh, really well. And, and yet yeah. I'm skeptical. I don't want to pick up the phone. I don't want to go to the website. Um, what would be your encouragement to actually take that step and say, you know, maybe I know everything else has failed, but here's why this program will give you hope. And uh, what would be your encouragement to them? Two things. One is as alone as you feel and as unique as your situation feels to you, you say things like no one's ever experienced this or felt this or been through this. Uh, That's just not true. I could stand up thousands of men and women who have stories very similar to yours, including mine. I was served in Iraq. I was in combat, came home. (laughs) A month later, I was working at a church and the bottom fell out of my life. And it took a process of coming to an understanding God still has a plan for me that my identity, as we mentioned, is wrapped up in, or should be, wrapped up in Him and, and you know, not the things that I did or the things that I was a part of. Thousands and thousands of real people that know where you're coming from, understand where you've been, and many folks through our program that want to help you continue to move forward. So as alone as you feel, please understand you're not alone. And there is hope. There is direction. Uh, there is not just the opportunity, but certainly the imperative. <laughs> to, uh, I don't know the right word, but uh, the the uh, passion that people have to help you get back to a place where you're on your feet and moving forward in a good way. There is hope and there is help. So that's the first thing. Don't feel alone. And then the other thing is you can look at all that you've done and say none of it's working. We use a phrase often, if what you're doing isn't working, then why not try, try something new? Uh, and let us be the something new. It's five days. It costs you nothing except for the time. If you get to the other side of it and say, well, this didn't help me, at least you tried it. Um, You're not alone. There is hope. There is direction. There are people that want to help you. Uh, Give it a shot and uh, let us do what we can. And uh, and then what would your encouragement be, Jeremy, to uh, people who maybe have a family member that they're very concerned about who would be a great candidate for your program? How can they talk to and encourage uh, their family member to participate in this? Because a lot of times um, that's really difficult because you want to help, but um, you're also concerned Mm -hmm. about approaching that person and and making that suggestion or offering that kind of help. And so um, how how would you advise or suggest um, that they uh, approach their family members? Yeah, that is such a tough situation and a conversation we have often. Uh, I, I would say, you know, first of all, and primarily spend time in prayer. We understand the Holy Spirit is 
really the only one who can uh, speak to a heart and work in a life. And and sometimes we kind of go around the Holy Spirit, try to work for him. <laughs> I'll do the convicting. I'll do the direction. Uh, pray and ask God to work. And then if you're praying and asking God to work in the heart and life of a person you care about, you better be ready. So pray. Pray the Holy Spirit works in their life. And then be ready. Uh, understand what the Mighty Oaks Foundation um, can do. Understand the resources that we have. Go to our website. Learn about what we do. On the top, I think, right of our website, I think it's on the right, there's a button called Watch. It just says Watch on it. And it's a button that has, if you go into it, videos of testimonies, just tons of testimonies, tons of interviews of, again, men and women who have experienced these things and found hope and healing. So you, as someone who's praying for a loved one, can go there and watch that. Maybe you can share some of those testimonies with the person you're praying for. We also have other resources. We have books that we've written, and we've written those primarily for the people who are struggling, who are hurting. Get a book. Give that to someone you care about, and it can be as simple as, hey, I I know you were in the military. These guys were in the military, too. Here are some things they've written about, thought you might be interested and leave it at that. And then be very open, be willing, be open, wait for the conversations to happen because they will. Um, Pray for direction, know when to push and when not to. But more often than not, it's just love people, care for them and be open to them and really ready when they're ready to talk. Yeah, love love people. And that really is what it comes down to is seeing everybody as um, their identity is in Christ and that every uh, God loves every person. And so, Jeremy, thank you so much for sharing this and uh, for your foundation and everything that you do. Go to MightyOaksPrograms.org if you want to learn more. And we will be back tomorrow here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. Continue to pray for everyone in your lives and also pray for everyone in Washington as well. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith, family. We'd like to thank our sponsors, including Preborn. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day their network clinics rescue 200 babies' lives. Will you join Preborn in loving and supporting young moms in crisis? Save a life today. Go to preborn.com.